Well, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? Okay. Well, God is good. And uh, I'm going to try to use this iPad. I still wish I had it bigger, but Zach's in the class now. So if I need these, I'll just stick them on the end of my nose. And I'll look very intellectual. How about that? Well, thank you, Jesus. You're awesome. And I thank you for Sunday morning because I'll be sharing about vessels for honor and how God puts you on the potter's wheel. So bring somebody that needs a life change and ministry. So anyhow, uh, I invite you to get in to the presence of God and His glory and let's see what He does. He'll change your life. I pray for joy inside of each of you. And I told Nelson, I know that he'll give it to you. He will, Nelson. You may just feel it bubbling up during this message tonight. But let's go. I'm going to ask Pastor Ken maybe to help me read some scriptures here because I didn't put them where, uh, but I could read them out of my Bible, I guess. I'll read the first one. How about that? You just get ready. You ready? Okay. Then this is how it is. We're going to talk about the ecclesia. Again, the church, the called out ones. And who are we in the fullness of times? Who are we? Who are you? Uh, God has a purpose. He has anointings. He has giftings for you. And he wants you to manifest those giftings for the betterment of others. Anyway, and... Proverbs 29, 18, once again, it says, Where there is no revelation. In the old King James, it says, Where there is no vision. But you see, vision is kind of descriptive of what you see. Revelation takes it even a step further. It reveals something, not just what you see, but it reveals what it is, what it means. And... uh, I liked when I got my surgery on my neck and I went to see Dr. Fon and he was going to tell me what he was going to do. I'd had an MRI. I think that's what it was. They stick you in the tube and all that. But then they, they, he showed me the pictures and it was like a 3D. He could turn. He turned my neck and everything around where I could see what was wrong with it. You see, revelation is like that. It's not just what you see in front of you, but He is giving you a complete understanding of what He wants you to see. You know, it's awesome. But where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. In other words, they don't stay within boundaries. And those boundaries is what keeps you headed in the right direction. You could chase a lot of rabbits, and it gets you out of whack. You make bad decisions when you get into that flow. But God wants you to make a good decision so you can reap a reward instead of uh, punishment, correction, or failure. But let's look at Matthew 16, and I'm going to have Pastor Ken read that to you. Verses 15 through 19, it's a familiar passage. Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? 
Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or Hades, shall not prevail against it. Amen. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. Weren't you the one a couple of weeks ago sharing about the binding and loosing? Or was that Zach on a Sunday morning? Maybe even Dr. Connie Dawson shared about it too. But binding is it, it really the simplest term means to tie something up. But if something is good and it's bound to you, it's a positive thing. So whatever God binds in heaven is bound on earth. If you've got a purpose... He's got a plan. Amen. And if you stick with Him, He'll bind it to your heart. He'll bind it to your spirit. He'll tie it on to you. You can't get away from it. You see, I don't care what you ever do or where you try to go, uh, you can never get away from God's hand upon you. I tried to run from being a preacher my early years. I told God I can be a basketball coach and a baseball coach. I don't need to be a preacher. I've got a lot of family members who are preachers. It included Pastor Ken, my brother Jerry, my dad, my uncles. I had an aunt. She was something else. She was an evangelist. She was about 5 foot 11 and about 240 pounds probably. And she, she was an awesome cook. And she ate her own cooking. But she was something else, Aunt Mildred. I'll never forget a lot of things about Aunt Mildred. You know, she had somebody to come to visit her one day. Uh, she got a phone call, and the, the lady down the street said, there's a Jehovah's, there's Jehovah's Witness coming up, knocking on the doors. And so she was ready. She had her Bible out. She was going to evangelize this lady, or ladies, whoever. They usually come with two. But the doorbell rang, and she opened that door up, She's pretty intimidating, big woman. And she said, before you say a word, if you let me share with you first, then I'll listen to whatever you have to tell me. So the lady said, well, sure. She came in, sat down. My Aunt Mildred took her right down the Romans' road of salvation. You know, 3.23 of Romans, 6.23, and then 10.8 through 10, you know, about confessing and believing and and you shall be saved. And she said, well, can I pray with you? That's when you know you really have a victory if a Jehovah's Witness comes and they let you pray with them. They will never let you pray for them unless you're a Jehovah's Witness. Because I've had many leave my front porch when I said, well, let me pray. I'm a pastor. Let me pray for you. And they run down the street so fast, the dust was flying everywhere. I remember, I, well, this is, I'm about to chase a rabbit. I'm going to try to stay on the trail. Well, Aunt Mildred, she said, well, now that we've prayed, I've shared with you, I feel really good about this. She said, what do you have to say? And the lady looked at her and said, well, in the 20 years I've been selling Avon, this is the first time this has ever happened to me. And so, anyway... She thought she was Jehovah's Witness, but she was the Avon lady. But it didn't matter because she came to know Christ that day. 
and she prayed the prayer. And my Aunt Mildred was delighted. She was just like that. But we had a lot of preachers in the family, and so I thought we did not need another one. And even my girl cousins married pastors. I mean, it was just preachers everywhere. But uh, I thought, well, I don't need to be a preacher. I'll just be a good coach, and I'll be a good witness and a good example before the kids that I teach and I coach. And I tried my best. But you know what? You end up preaching to them boys on the basketball court. You end up preaching to them in the locker room. Then they got a problem. You end up sharing with them the answers. Before long, I was pastoring my basketball team and my baseball team and my junior high football team. And before you know it, I was preaching in youth meetings and youth services and youth camps. And uh, before you know it, I was a youth pastor, lo and behold. And I didn't even know how I got there hardly. But I did because you can never get away from God's plan and His purpose. But we see here that revelation comes of Jesus Christ and when it does, you are going to be different than you were before. Amen? I'm going to give you five statements right now. Number one, you must have vision to do God's purpose in life. You just must. You must have a vision for the purpose He has for you. Many of you have not entered into the fullness of the purpose He has for your life. Some of you have kind of wet your whistle a little bit, but you need to step in all the way. That's why it's so important that you come to church and you grow and you learn and you take these classes and you step up in and you have more knowledge and you gain more wisdom. And as you do, God can open up the way a little bit wider for you. I used to lead worship at one time. I was willing. I wasn't that good at it. But I smiled a lot. You know. But I, I knew the Holy Spirit. That's the part that I did well, was to be led of the Holy Spirit. But uh, as far as the musical aspect, I had my mom on the piano and or organ or one of the others, and Sister Nella Mae Malone on the other one, either the organ or the piano. I had Bruce Goodrich on the drums. Somebody was on the bass. And uh, we had church. And I'll tell you another funny story. I have to use index cards because I can never remember the words. Now, why was I leading worship in the first place? Because they needed a worship leader. Sometimes you've got to do things that you're not really as good at, but if you're willing, he adds that to a, be a greater dimension in your life of service. And so I had Mandex cards, and I was leading the song, and we were rejoicing, and all of a sudden I dropped the next card. And I bent over, and those days we wore suits and ties. And I had on a suit, and Pastor Ken, I bent over, and when I did, I split my pants from low down all the way up to back. And I had three ladies singing backup on the stage behind me. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I felt the breeze. And I said, this was at First Assembly on the north side of town back then when I was associate pastor there. And I said, everybody bow your heads. The Spirit is moving. 
And when they bowed their heads, I said, the pastor's coming now to lead us in prayer. And Brother Snavely came up, and I exited the stage, went out the side door, went to my car. I didn't pause. I went straight out there, got in, drove home, and I changed clothes, and I come back in time at the end of the offering, you know, to be a part of it. Anyway, everybody's wondering, I thought you had on a different colored suit. <laughs> well, I did. I had to hurry. I don't even know if my socks were the same color. I dressed in the dark. I was like a flying machine. But anyway, you do things, and sometimes funny things happen. Sometimes glorious things happen. You know, I was supposed to preach on a Sunday night because the pastor got ill. This was up in House Springs, and he got ill, and he called me about 5 o'clock and said, you need to preach tonight. I'm sick. I said, "Uh uh-oh. Well, okay, I was eager. So I went, I pulled a sermon out of the drawer and stuck it in my Bible. I wasn't any more ready to preach than a man on the moon, but I was going to try. And so sure enough, I get up there, and when it's my turn and the worship's over and the offering's collected, I stood up there and I looked out, and the Lord said to me, the Holy Spirit, he said, call out this word of knowledge, somebody's deaf right ear, is going to be opened. Man, I tell you what, a young preacher, it makes you a little nervous because you say this and it don't happen, they might not want you to preach the next time. I said, oh God, do I have to do this? He said, say it or I won't anoint your sermon tonight. Well, you know, these are thoughts blasting my mind. I knew it was the Holy Ghost. Could have been my fear too trying to talk to me. But I wouldn't have said I'm going to not let the anointing be strong on you. I wanted it to be strong. And so I ventured out and I said, well, somebody's right ear is deaf and God's opening it. Okay, turn your Bibles to such and such. I didn't even ask anybody if they were the one. That's a word of knowledge. I was fearful. But I went ahead and I preached and I felt pretty good at the end of the sermon. So... I ventured out and I said, well, is there somebody here that your ear, right ear is deaf or you need prayer for it? And this mother stood up and brought up her five-year-old son. And so when she did, I felt like, well, we're going to pray for him. And, but this man who played the bass guitar walked up the side and was standing over here. I thought he was just going to catch or something if somebody fell out in the spirit. And so I prayed for this little boy. She said he had 50% hearing loss. Well, that wasn't total deafness, but 50% hearing loss in one ear and 80% in the other ear. Well, that's almost deaf. That's close enough for me. So I prayed for him, stuck my fingers in his ears, prayed, and then I backed up and I, I said, now you say what I say. And so I said, but turn around so you can't see me. And so I took my mic away and I said, Jesus. This little boy said, Jesus. I said, okay. Stop up the other ear. Now what do you say? Pastor. He said, Pastor. And he could hear perfectly out of both ears. God touched him that night and opened his ears. I said, well, Brother Leo, what, what, what do you need? Are you here to help me? He said, I got to testify. I said, well, what is it? He said, as soon as you said that, I was sitting on the back row 
And when you said that, my right ear, which has been deaf for 14 years, popped open. And so, see, I obeyed God, and God did exactly what he said. I should have let him testify first. I'd have been, my faith would have even been higher. But God opened it. I asked him the next week, well, Brother Leo, you still here? He said, yeah, but now I hear everything my wife is telling me. <laughs> so, anyway. Anyway, you've got to have vision to do God's purpose. So as you look, God will show you. He will speak to you. And so as I began to step out as a young minister, things began to happen and unfold so that I could see the power of God move. Number two, the Word lays out your boundaries to live and move. You see, God, He would speak to me. Now, I didn't just get up and ramble on and ask for different illnesses. You know, well, let me just try this. Maybe somebody's got a bad foot or bad arm or something. No, because sure enough, if you just start out saying things, there probably wouldn't be anybody like that. But when God tells you, see, you got a boundary. This is the Holy Spirit talking. And I've seen people not function in their boundaries, and they look kind of foolish, and then they don't have very powerful uh, evidence happen. Number three, the Word is Jesus Christ, and you can only know Him. See, the Word is Him. He is the Word. So you have to know Him to know the Word. So you can read the Bible all day long. I, I preached at Grace Methodist back in 1985. Might have been 84. I think it was 85. Anyway, I, Vernon Kinnear went out of town, and I was a youth pastor, so I got to preach when he went out of town. And I had... Uh, this message on my heart and so I preached it and a man was there his first time visitor and I asked if anybody wanted to accept Jesus well this guy's name was Vernon Miller well he stood up and came forward and I led him to the Lord did you know he was an atheist a proclaiming atheist and Yet he had read the Bible through three or four times from cover to cover and still did not believe. You see, only you can only come to know Jesus Christ if the Holy Spirit draws you, not because you read the Bible. Lots of people have read the Bible. Lots of people learn things about the Bible, and they're very knowledgeable. Our Jewish guide in Israel he still had his eyes blinded in his faith. He still did not confess Jesus Christ. He was our guide three times out of the five that I went there. And yet he could quote scripture everywhere we went. He could quote the scriptures about the place we were visiting. But see, you can know the Bible. You can know scriptures. Even the demons know the scriptures. They'll throw it up at you in your face. They'll try to torment you. They'll try to condemn you, even with the Bible. But you see, you got to know Jesus Christ, and He makes that Word be alive, because He is the Word.
say. So, you know, I hope that helps somebody, that you've got to understand that Jesus Christ is the Word, and He was there from before the world was ever formed. He was here forever. But you've got to know Him if you're going to know the Word. Number four. Oh, and because the Father sends the Holy Spirit to draw you. I forgot to read that part. But the Holy Spirit's the one who draws a person. Uh, I forget her name. It was Dennis Spears' mother-in-law, Dorothy, uh, Dorothy, not Zoner. started with a Z. But she owned several group homes in town. And Vernon and his wife worked for her. And she kept inviting them to come to church. And he would say, no. Finally, he said, i got to get her off my back. So he came to church. But while he was there, something powerful happened. And the Holy Spirit keyed him in. Because I was a young preacher. My message was simple and direct. And that's what he needed. And he accepted Jesus Christ that day because the Holy Spirit drew him. And number four, he'll build his church to defeat the gates of hell or Hades. The gates of Hades cannot hold back the kingdom of God. You know, you can go anywhere. There's places on earth even the angels fear to tread sometimes, is, I think is how it goes. But I've been places where I should have been afraid. I've told those stories of going to the projects of New Orleans. And you know what? This the, I'm not being racist, but I was the only white person in there. The Desire Projects. There's murders. There were more murders in that project than anywhere else in, in the city. And uh, people told me I was nuts for going in there. I took singing groups in there. And we'd hold concerts next to the methadone clinic. And those people come to get their methadone would have to hear the, the music and the word. And so uh, many of them would talk to our people. We'd take a break and the band members would be out and the people come over and talk to them and some of them accepted Jesus. It was their time. That's why we were in there. Then I went back and picked these boys up to bring them to church. They were, that was about the time uh, some of the St. Louis Ram football players were little kids. Marshall Falk lived in that project. Isaac Bruce. Who knows, they might have been the ones I took to church because I took these little boys, different ones, with me. I go pick them up and take them to church. And they, we saw uh, children's uh, evangelism time with the puppets and everything. They loved it. Then I went to McDonald's, got them a Happy Meal. Then I got them into the project and tried to get out of there as fast as I could after I dropped them off. But, you know, we won those kids to Christ. Sometimes you cannot function under fear. you got to know the Holy Ghost led you and you have a purpose. I was an athlete and a coach, and I could go bounce that basketball over in the projects, and I'd gain a crowd of young men around me, and I'd play ball with them. And they respected me for that. And I was able to win some. You know, some people are so afraid out in this world. You know what? If somebody would have killed me, I would have gone to heaven. What are you going to do? Threaten me with heaven to try to stay out of the projects? Come on now. 
I would have gone to heaven, and I might have gone sooner than I was supposed to. I tried to not be stupid. That's why I didn't hang around at nighttime over there. But I, I, I remember there was a man that I preached at the nursing home, Pastor Ken, downtown there, and his wife, I think she was like 92 years old, and she was in the nursing home. Her leg was cut off. She had had diabetes. And I'd go and preach to him. Well, he calls me on the phone and tells me that his wife is in the hospital. He would come to the nursing home to be in church with her. When I would come, my mother-in-law would come with me. I had a little keyboard like this, about this long. It was one of those kids' keyboards, and my mother-in-law would play that, and she'd make it talk, you know. And we'd sing old hymns. These people get so excited. And see, they had lived in the Desire Project. She was living in the nursing home. The man was still living in the project. And his wife ends up dying. Now, he didn't ask me to do the funeral, but he came to me and he told me, he came to the nursing home the next time I came, said, my wife has died, and I want to tell you, you have been a good pastor. I said, well, thank you. He said, in fact, I live in the Desire Project. I know you go in there. You preach to those kids, and they listen to you. He says, anytime you want to come in here and you want to walk around, you call me, and they all know me in that place. He said, I can walk around with you anywhere in here you want to go. And I thanked him for it. God puts people in your life. But he... He said the gates of hell cannot stop the church. Amen? And he said that he gives keys of the kingdom of heaven to bind and to loose. And you know, when you got trouble, you know that we can bind those enemy spirits. I've cast demons out of so many people because they were ready. Some of them might not have thought they were ready, but they came after me. And you don't do that when the Holy Ghost is on the scene. And I'd cast demons out of them. Well, that happened many a time. And uh, I'm here to tell you that when we bound the spirits, one little gal came and she fell out in the spirit in the church up in St. Louis. And I wasn't even preaching that night. In fact, I was very tired. I didn't want to pray for nobody. Uh, I had friends up that were, he was a singer and he had sang and, we stayed up into the night talking. And, and so they came to church and he sang both services. And then I was ready to get out of there and go eat. They had a place called Pantera's Pizza up there around Fenton, Missouri, close to there. Anyway, we, uh, the service was winding down. The pastor was praying. Brother Ed Sherrill, he's praying over it. And this girl was started manifesting demons laying on the floor. And he nodded to me to go check it out. He was trying to close the service. And he nodded me to, I said, oh God, why am I the one that always has to do the dirty work? Now, I'm like Pac-Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me some more. But uh, back in those days, I didn't necessarily think I enjoyed it that much. But I went over to her. My wife was down there on one side. The pastor's wife was on the other. And this gal raises up on her head like a football helmet drill. Her eyes went straight up and down like snake eyes. And she hissed at me. 
And I said, oh, God. And I started trying to cast the demons out. She spit in my face. She mocked me and made fun of me. And I said, okay, Holy Spirit, the devil's going to get the glory tonight if you don't tell me what to do. I, you know, you talk to him in your mind. I didn't even say it out loud. And he said, bind the mocking and the lying spirits first. Because I'd say, what's your name? And it wouldn't give me nothing. He'd give me a name and he'd laugh at me after I'd try to cast it out. You can't believe demons for one thing. You know, they're liars. And so I bound the mocking and the lying spirits first, just like the Spirit of God told me up here. Then he said, now ask for the controlling spirit's name. And he said, you tell it, you're going to count to five. And if it doesn't tell you, you're going to curse it to a dry place. I got to four. That thing gave me its name so fast, you wouldn't believe it. I called that name out and I said, you get out of her in the name of Jesus. That spirit left her. She began to throw up uh, all kinds of green mucus. I hate to tell you that, but that's what happened. And they came and cleaned her off. And I led her to Jesus Christ. And then I prayed before she ever got up off the floor to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And she began to speak in other tongues. And then she sat up. And when she sat up, she looked at me and said, What happened to me? She didn't even realize what had happened. You see, the Spirit of grace wants people to be free. He wants them to know Jesus with all their heart. Amen? So anyway, he gives us keys to bind and to loose. We loosed that girl from the stronghold that had her bound. And I found out later, because she's only like 19 years old, she was dancing in a strip club down in Fenton, Missouri, a pole dancer, and she was living with the lesbian all during the week, living like a lesbian. And on the weekends, she lived with an old man that was old enough to be her grandpa, who was her sugar daddy. Well, she is all messed up, see. But you know what? God loves to take a messed up person and set them free and make them a brand new creature by the power of Almighty God. Anyway, is wonderful. And here we go, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Amen. Isn't that awesome? See, he didn't say you'll go witness for him. He didn't even say you'll go preach for him in these verses. He said, you will be witnesses. You will be a testimony. See, he wasn't going to send you out there to just preach. He said he's going to let you be a witness. Well, I tell you what, when Miriam Passamore was set free from 13 demons and delivered from being a lesbian for 20 years, she put a website together. She gave her testimony on the 700 Club, and she started preaching with Juanita Bynum, Paula White, and a bunch of others. And she called me her, her daddy. She said, you're my white daddy, Pastor. She was black and I was white. She, I said, well, I guess I am. You know, I'm her spiritual papa. 
because I'm the one who helped set her free. I cast those demons out of her. Now she's a minister and preaches and is all the time testifying of the glory of God. And because of that, see, you become a testimony. We start having lesbians from all over the Miami, Fort Lauderdale area calling me on the telephone asking if I could pray for them like I prayed for Miriam. And I would. I called Miriam saying, meet me at 5.30. We got another one that wants to be set free. And they would be set free, Nelson. And then we'd call a pastor close to where they live, get them into a church. She had a website called Miriam is Out. But she wasn't out as a gay. She was out of the gay lifestyle because God had set her free. And see, lots of people got a testimony. Many are delivered from alcohol or drugs. Many are delivered from pornography, whatever it might be the case. And God sets them free so that they can be a testimony to the rest of the world. And so Acts 2, verse 3 and 4, or 1 through 4, says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Yeah. And then that, uh, go ahead. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Woo. And Glory. they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If there's anybody here tonight that never experienced speaking in tongues or being filled with the Holy Ghost, you can. It ain't going to take us 27 hours of, of waiting and tarrying like they used to do back when I was a child. I learned from Brother Gorman it don't take that long. Everybody tried to get me filled and I had to they gave up, and I left the altar and went around crying next to the piano where my mom was playing, and by myself I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. God's grace hit me, see. Anyway, you see, he's telling us something. See, they, they waited for the Holy Ghost to come. Amen? They waited for him to come. Because Jesus told him to go and wait until he came. Now, let me ask you something. Once he came, has he ever left? He's still here, isn't he? Well, guess what? We don't have to wait for him to come again. He is already here. How many of y'all are born again? You know what? Say amen or wave at me. Okay? Well, you know what? He's living inside of you already. So really, you don't have to say, Come on, me Holy Spirit originally they did when they laid on hands because those people never heard of it that some many believed in who jesus was but they had never experienced it but now the holy ghost has come and you become born again christian his spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of god and so because of that now he's living in you he doesn't have to come on you he has to come out of you you gotta Pop the cork off the bottle. You've got to let the champagne of God flow out. And that's not alcohol. It is the glory. It's the power that gives you the unction. Man, I tell you what, when I don't know what to do, I pray in the Holy Spirit in a language I don't know. But I tell you what, let's, let's go on. Uh, okay, he said, 
you're supposed to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts, okay? And they were filled on the day of Pentecost as they were in one accord, in unity. And the second, the sound came from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. Sounded like a freight train coming down the tracks. And it filled what? What's the next phrase? It filled the whole house. You know what? I'm looking forward to the day. Come on, it's going to happen. It might happen Sunday. Where the Spirit fills the whole house where nobody is left out. Everybody. It might happen tonight. Glory. But he said it filled the whole house and there were like cloven tongues of fire. It looked like these little things of fire waving over the top of their head. Man, I tell you what, that's, you get a baptism of fire and tongues at the same time. Let me tell you something. Remember Jake Holmes used to say that? Well, let me tell you something. If you let the Holy Ghost fill you, you know what? You won't turn back as easy Many people have confessed Jesus. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I, He is the Lord. But they don't press in to allow the Holy Spirit to break loose. Because once you let Him break loose, it's hard to not be a different person. You know, there were instances in the Old Testament where the Holy Ghost really filled up somebody to overflow. Remember Saul? He went down. They had him go down with the prophets, and all of a sudden he was prophesying with the prophets. I mean, there were certain unctions that they were anointed with. Samuel had anointed him with oil, ointment, and he was made king. Now his problem was he didn't stay in the ointment. He got in the flesh. And when you get in the flesh, the Holy Ghost is quenched. Now there's two things you can do. You can offend the Holy Ghost, yeah, or you can quench him. You can offend him by saying things that aren't true about God and the Scriptures, but you can quench him by not allowing him to come forth. Like if God's telling you, go talk to that lady, and, and you say, oh, no, Lord, I'm, I, she's not going to listen to me. Man, I tell you what, boldness will come on you. If he said talk to that lady... You go talk to that lady, her life will change. She'll start crying. I've had people break down crying when I just ask them a question. You know, Dave, you've been with me, and you've seen it happen, right? Where people just start crying. I don't even know what's going on. I said, Lord, you know, I was just talking to them. But it's because you're speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost, and it breaks and destroys the yoke that's on them. Amen? I tell you what, I'm about happy now. Nelson, we feeling any joy yet? You're going to get there. You will. But see, then they began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave utterance. Uh, that's cool. Uh, that little 15-year-old girl I prayed for down in Mexico in 1998, uh, somewhere around there, 99, is in that big revival I had down there in Aguas Calientes. Eight churches were started out of that revival. And that little gal, 15 years old, began to prophesy in perfect English with no Spanish accent. 
The next year we came back, I prayed for her again. She began to speak in tongues. Only this time with her eyes closed, she pointed at me and prophesied in perfect English. She turned to my sister-in-law, Loretta, who had been to language school in Switzerland, had learned French, and she began to prophesy to her in French, perfect French. Then she turned to Ken Soltis, my music pastor, and she pointed at him with her eyes closed, began to prophesy to him in perfect German. And he was fluent in German. And then she turned to Chris Martinez, whose dad was Cuban, and she began to prophesy to him in a Cuban dialect of Spanish with no Mexican accent. See, Cubans think they speak higher Spanish than the others. <laughs> they, their descendants, a lot of them came from Spain, so they think they're the high Spanish a lot of times. I love the Cuban people, though. But uh, anyhow, that was a miracle. Guess what? All she knew was she was speaking in tongues. Now, what, what did it say? I'll tell you, point number eight. People from all nations who were there to check on their taxes or the census or whatever is going on, that time of the year they all gathered for different things, right, Pastor Ken? Observing Pentecost and, you know, the feastings and such. Well, many of them from different tribes and nations. You can be a, a, a Kenyan and yet they speak English for business Kiswahili in the streets with amongst tribes and then they speak their own tribal language at home. They know three languages, most of them. I've been there a few times. And so, you know, they heard these Galileans in this upper room shouting out in tongues in their languages. How many? I don't know. There was 120 people. I don't know how many nations were represented on the day of Pentecost, but it was quite a few. And they heard them speaking their dialects. And so, you see, we know this. Two things. I won't even, I just know it's in 1 Corinthians, you know, chapter 12, 13, 14, is where it talks about the Holy Spirit a lot and the gifts. But Paul said, you know, uh, when you speak, in tongues, you're speaking in languages of men or of angels. You know, when people say, people say stupid stuff. Now, if you've ever said this, don't be offended, but I've got to tell you the truth, amen? What do they say? They say, well, I pray in tongues because the devil doesn't know what I'm saying. You know what? That's a bunch of malarkey. You know that all the demons of hell know all these different languages? And the devil and those demonic spirits, they know the angelic languages too. So guess what? It doesn't matter. When you're speaking the will of God in perfect unison with the Holy Spirit's power, it don't matter if the devil knows what's happening or not. He can't stop it. So when you're speaking in tongues... The key isn't that you're going to speak a language he doesn't know. The key is you're speaking in a language that is the most perfect prayer that you could ever pray and the most perfect declaration you could ever declare. And when you speak in tongues, you speak in mysteries. Amen? 
But guess what he can do? He can allow you to understand and interpret what the Holy Ghost is trying to tell you. I'm not saying every bit of tongues that you speak in, you're going to pray and get every bit of knowing. It's not necessary because you're praying to get somewhere and you don't have time to go get the tongues dictionary out to figure it out. I don't even know there is one, but anyhow, it sounded good. So they all heard them speaking their languages, but what were they saying that was so convincing? They were speaking of the great works of God. Amen? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop there because I'm going to be back next Wednesday. And I'm going to close my book. And I'm going to just see if there's anybody in here that would like to have prayer. Either you have never spoken in tongues or you haven't in a long while and you have some rocks have got in your well and it's kind of stopped up. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so glad everybody wants me to pray for them. You don't have to be afraid of it. I tell you what, I'm going to challenge you right now. I want the back row to come up here and sit up here. I want y'all in the back to come closer and fill in the gaps because I want to be able to look at you. I'm not going to force you to do anything you don't want to, but I think this will be an exercise of power of God and I just want to invite you. So if you're in the back, if there's any empty slots, come on up. Come on. Tara, you want to come up? Join me up here? I'm not going to make you do anything. I'm just going to ask you if you will do something. Who is? Oh, she is? Oh, Lord, give her rest. A toucher. Because the mind, the spirit can still heal. Let the Holy Spirit just seep into her spirit right now. Yeah. Yeah, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you want to come up, you're welcome. If you don't, I won't make anybody. I just requested it. Okay, look. I want to know, do you know Jesus? Say amen. Okay. The way you know Jesus is not just knowing him historically. Now, when I asked my wife to marry me, guess what? I'd already kissed her on the mouth. I'd already hugged her. In fact, I didn't. I wanted to hug her some more, you know. And I'd held her hand. We went to church together. We ate together. We, you know, we had fun together. But I didn't want to say goodnight at the door anymore. I wanted a more intimate relationship with her. See, Jesus wants to really know you. He don't want to just be an acquaintance that says, Hi, how you doing today? That's not Jesus. See, Jesus wants to wrap his arms around you and tell you how much he loves you and thinks that you're wonderful. And you need to tell him he's wonderful. It's like a romance in a way. It's not sexual, but it's a romance. 
say. And so, you know, just take a little minute on your own. You just, just tell Jesus in your own words. You don't have to say it loud. You can just whisper it or say it in your mind. But just let him know how much he means to you and that you believe in him and that you love him, that you want to spend time with him. You want him to be in every aspect of your life. You want him to be in your home. You want him to just fill the whole house, your whole house, with the knowledge and the fragrance of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. All right. Now, just say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, be my all in all.